Hello and welcome to another edition of Childhood Remastered. This is the podcast where we look back on the cartoons and movies and TV shows and whatnot of our youth to see if it's still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case. I am Sean. And I'm Chris. And today we're actually doing a user request. Uh, this Another one, user request. Another this user is a, request. This is a bit of a conundrum we yeah. have because we don't know who it was. Yeah. It was some, I, I can say this because I was the one who read and responded to it at the time. And I'm an idiot because I didn't write it down. But shit happens. It was, the request was made sometime around almost a year ago. I would say last maybe July or August. And yeah. they requested for The Little Mermaid, the animated series. So before we start, whoever it was who requested this, thank you, but I have no, no idea who you are. Send us a all. message on Facebook or yeah. or Twitter or something and let us know that you were the one. Or claim ownership and uh, we'll allow you to claim ownership and yeah. we'll go back maybe and edit and fix it and, say, and eliminate all of this behind the scenes magic. Mm, yeah, no, I'm going to leave it in. <laughs> Just leave it in. So, okay. So this show, obviously, is related to The Little Mermaid, the Disney motion picture, animated motion picture, that came out in 1989. This show uh, debuted September 11th, 1992, and lasted a whole three seasons uh, until t- November 26, 1994. Those three seasons included 31 episodes, which is actually kind of not that many for it's an animated short. show. Yeah, yeah it, that, that averages to about 10 episodes a season, which is, is really short for an animated series around this time. Usually, if you've listened to the show, usually shows like this, cartoons like this, get anywhere in the neighborhood of... 23 to 65 episodes for season one. Usually 65. It's usually around that time. sort of the standard now. Yeah. Interestingly enough, this show premiered with the animated primetime special. A primetime special. Think about that. Mm -hmm. Called The Whale of a Tale, which is the original pilot episode. I did watch that, by the way. It was not in our assigned reading, so to speak, our assigned watching, Mm -hmm. but I watched it anyways. And then the show moved to Saturday mornings for its run. And the series is the first Disney television series to be spun off from a major animated film, which is kind of what makes it a big deal here. Yeah. Now, before we get into it, did you watch this show when when it was first on? Because I'm going to tell you, I watched the show, but I, I am positive that I watched it in reruns on the Disney Channel. I didn't watch it because when you were telling me earlier... I remember watching it probably around the time that it was on. I have a sister who's the same age as your sister. And so that she would have been the prime demographic, four or five years old around the time that this came out. Yeah. And so I probably watched it with her. And I have some like weird, distinct memories of stuff that I probably shouldn't, but I remember (laughs) it anyways. Yeah. And we'll get into that because we had like a sort of weird moment where Sean and I were talking about this before we recorded. Yeah. So the, the, uh, the, I for sure do not remember watching this because it debuted on ABC or CBS. It debuted on a network channel, right? It didn't mm-hmm. debut on the Disney channel. And I, no. I, I vividly remember when I did watch this, watching it on the Disney channel. So I must've watched it later after the initial run. And I mean, I was still younger, but I, I must've watched it later in the, in the, in reruns and syndicate. Well, it's not really syndication of Disney's just redoing, you know, rebroadcasting some of their old shows, but I was I was probably older than I should have been when I watched this. This is one of those things where I mean I'm also not the demographic because I was a boy, but it, you know I was I was older than I probably should have been watching this. I was probably like 11, 12, 13 years old when I was watching this because it was probably so we're around talking like ninety. 90- yeah, ninety six or so. Yeah, something? ninety ninety four to ninety six, somewhere in that range. So, because that, yeah, I would have been, I would have been that, you know, eleven, 11 to thirteen ish yeah. range. Yeah, 11 yeah, and to that 15. that makes sense because the show went until nineteen ninety four, and it would make sense that Disney would rebroadcast it then on the Disney Channel after yeah. its run. So I probably caught it in the first syndicated run that Disney did. Yeah, maybe. 
I don't remember where I saw it. I might have seen it on CBS. I think I, I very much did watch it on CBS, actually, because I remember watching it on Saturday morning. Yeah, I definitely didn't so, watch this on Saturday morning. Do, do, do you remember liking it? I did, actually, and I was sort of embarrassed that I liked it at the <laughs> time because I was like, oh, these stories are, like, well-written and put together, and the animation looks good, and the, the music is all good, and it's the original voice acting cast, which is definitely a big deal here. That's a big plus, It's yeah. a huge deal because that never happens. It's almost the entire original cast. Yeah. And it's sort of weird that it was on CBS, but it also sort of isn't weird that it was on CBS because The Wuzzles was on CBS also, remember? Mm-hmm. And this ended up on CBS, and a couple years later, ABC was purchased by Disney. Uh, oh, I well, remember. Disney acquired like a majority stakehold in yeah. ABC, and and that's when everything sort of moved over to ABC later. But in the earlier earlier days of the the nineteen nineties, Disney was putting their stuff on CBS because I believe CBS was sort of the big kid on the block with the animated shows. Yeah, CBS. Yeah, they, they, they had a partnership with CBS, and you're right, a lot of their shows were on CBS before they essentially bought their own channel, before they had the Disney Channel, which was really their own channel. And, and now they have like four channels that yeah, they Yeah, they have use. so many. And Disney, then it got moved over to Disney in 95, and, and then it ran on reruns for a long time. That's probably the, that's probably where yeah. I watched it, was on Disney Channel in 95. So, so that would have that made me 12. So do you, one of the things that, that makes me think that I watched this in its original run is that... It was aired, so it was shown on Saturday morning at 8.30, and then that was being aired after An American Tale, the animated series. Oh god, that had an animated series too, I totally forgot about that. I did not forget, but I had sort of pushed it back into the furthest repressed depths. Repressed it, of, you have repressed yeah, it. Yeah, we'll go with repressed, I think that's probably the most accurate. Maybe we'll have to cover that at some point, but it, it man, it's just so weird that, you know, the film... The Little Mermaid is such a big deal. We talked about it before, yeah, to, back on episode eighty-two, both to Disney and to people. Well, just to viewers. Well, yeah. I'm thinking of the industry. Yeah. Oh, to the yeah, industry 100%. in general, it, it completely changed the animated industry landscape, just completely. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they're doing a TV show. So, uh, I know we talked about Ducktales being this sort of like animated Disney TV renaissance Mm -hmm. as part of that golden age but do you think that this i I guess this would be part of that yeah i would say and and because ducktales started earlier and gummy bears was earlier it did and i would say that this probably fits into their like anything that's based off of something else this is to quote uh to quote frank reynolds in it's always sunny this is a bit derivative but it you know it it was still pretty good it it was it didn't have the same like sheen and glamour of of the movie well but i mean think about it though that movie yeah it, it's like it's a massive budget it was a huge undertaking yeah. several years to make a million animators or yeah. uh, whatever a million animation uh, hours. no it was, a, it was a million bubbles, bubbles were yeah. animated for for the little mermaid yeah so i i would say that i mean it was pretty damn good for a tv you know, it didn't have the budget of a movie, but for for being a TV show, a TV animated series, it had a pretty. You know, the, the production values were 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 pretty good. The voice acting was still pretty good. Well, something interesting too about this is that it's a prequel. Yes, and that's important to note. This this takes place, I think, two years before the events of The Little Mermaid. So Ariel's fourteen. Everyone pretty much looks the same because everyone else was, you know, in their adult age or. They were older, so Ariel doesn't look any different. Nobody looks any different. It's just But then there's also a prequel film showing Ariel when she's a kid that came out in 2008. And that contradicts stuff that happens in the TV show. Yeah. So it's like is that movie that nobody has heard of in 2008? I hadn't heard of it until you told me. It's one of those it's one of those innumerable Disney sequels to it's movies like Cinderella 3. Yeah, to movies like, that came out anywhere from 20 to 50 years prior. It's like Pocahontas 45 The Reckoning or <laughs> Yeah, there was a Pocahontas There was a Pocahontas 2 where they went to the New World and So it, like I never she s- developed she developed some disease and died. No, wait, that was no, actual No, 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 that, that was tuberculosis yeah. or whatever. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't Yeah, I don't I don't remember it. 
I, I don't remember that 2008 movie. The only reason why I know it exists is because when I built out the notes for episode 82 when we did the movie and we talked about it because it was like a, a weird side project. But it's just so weird to have an animated series based on a movie that's then a prequel. Yeah, well, I actually like that because because you can either go one of two ways on it. You can either go continuation of the story, which is what the Aladdin animated series did. It continued yeah. the story, and then they made movies based on the characters that were introduced in in the show, maybe? I can't even remember. Maybe they introduced people from the show, but they continued the story. So either you continue the story, or you go backwards and you tell a prequel, which I think both are both are valid. Both are valid. It's just a weird concept to do for a kid's show, though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, are kids going to get it? Or do you think it's more that like, uh, F it, like it's a bunch of five-year-olds. They're not going to care. Well, I they're think just happy to see Ariel and Triton and the characters that they recognize. I think it's both because it's a prequel, but it's not like, it's not like Ariel when she was a little, little kid. Or it's not like Triton when he was younger. It's not like Muppet Babies. Or yeah, something. it's, it's a, it's a prequel in that it takes place before the story of the Little Mermaid. But it's only slightly before the story. So all the characters are the same. They all sound the same. They all pretty much have the same personalities. You know, it, it's, it's... Yeah, similar character interactions. Yeah. Or they build it so we can see how they met. Yeah, it could have been... It could have... The, 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 the series could have covered what happens like the year before uh, of the events of The Little Mermaid. Because yeah. she encounters the same characters. And in one of the episodes that we watched, you see Prince Eric... Who looks exactly the same. So she encounters some of the same characters. She doesn't like interact with them, but but she encounters them. So, well, let's get into production really quick because this is actually going to be fast. We've got creative directors Ed Gertner and Ron Diaz. The writers are Ted Anasti, Patsy Cameron, Lorraine Arco, Tony Marino, Chuck Menville. And the directors are Jamie Mitchell and Marcia Manta. Oh, yeah. that was a mouthful. Yeah. The theme music is Dan Foliart and Mark Waters, and the composers here are Dan Foliart and Mark Waters. Again, there's a bunch of original songs. I'm not going to go through them all, but I listed every single one in case you want to look them up. Yeah, but and there is one that Sean and I absolutely <laughs> yeah. remember called... Well, well, you know what? No, we'll get it. Before we before well, we go we'll there, just... just let's mention the, the theme music, because the theme music is... Uh, it's... It's a combination. It's a mashup of the of the instrumental parts of three different songs. It's a mashup of the the Little Mermaid theme from the beginning of the movie. It's also uh, part of your world, and it's under the sea. So they sort of mash those three songs together, and they create the intro that you heard at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. And like Chris said, there are a lot of original songs that happen that are sung by any number of people. It's usually sung by, yeah, it's usually sung by either Sebastian or Ariel. Uh, but there are other songs, like there's a song that Scuttle sings. There's other songs that other people sing. And it's not like Phineas and Ferb where there's a song in every episode, but there's a song in almost every episode. Yeah, and what I noticed is that there are some rather interesting voice actor uh, guest appearances by people, too, yeah. which I had no idea yeah, well, until we were watching it. Yeah. Because I watched them before I built out the uh, notes this time, which I don't ever do. Normally, I like to build the notes out first. Yeah, to get a, to get a jump on it. Yeah. But so some of this cast is going to be a is going to be a redux. Yeah, because, because essentially everybody from yeah. the movie reprised their roles except for the people that died, that were so old that they died. Uh, the the character that the character that uh, uh, the character of Scuttle, his voice actor, he actually, didn't die till two thousand three. Oh, it was, but no. The then it was the uh, then it was the other guy, the um, Grimsby. I think his actor. died. Yeah, I think he died right right afterwards. Yeah, but he so, might not have been in a the the character that or the the actor. Grimsby had like one line in one of the episodes that we saw. Yeah, he might have had more lines in other episodes. Maybe I don't. I couldn't. It wasn't enough for me to pick out who it was. But so, basically, everyone else reprised repri yes, their role. Yes, absolutely. So. Jody Benson, of course, Princess Ariel. She's 56 right now while we're recording. And this is really her most famous role. She was Barbie in the Toy Story movies and Thumbelina. She was the title character from, and she's the voice of Tula in Pirates of Dark Water. Both of those are on request, one by a user and the other by my wife. So, nice. Yes. And it's important to note, and I think we said it when we did the Little Mermaid movie, that Jody Benson essentially has played the Little Mermaid Ariel in every incarnation, whether it be like cameo role in something, movies, 
TV shows or video games. She's played that character since yeah. 1989. And I feel like her voice is rather particular. Too, yeah. In a way that I'm not sure somebody else could fill in for her. Yeah. So Prince Eric is Christopher Daniel Barnes, the same person. He is Spider-Man from the 94 animated series. Uh, he was in Captain Planet, uh, Sonic Underground, Jackie Chan Adventures, Touched by an Angel. Yes, Touched by an Angel in Beverly Hills 90210. It's important to remember that when he did when he did the Little Mermaid and probably so this was would have probably since it came out in eighty nine when it they were probably recording it in eighty eight so he was sixteen when he recorded uh, his his vo- voice for the movie for the movie Little Mermaid so he was finally legal yeah so yes. in in nineteen ninety four which they probably recorded it in nineteen ninety three that would have made him what five years older so he yeah. would have been yeah twenty one. Yeah, good for which him. is about the age that his character is supposed to be in the movie. Remember, yeah. I think I pointed Skeeving that... Skeeving on a 16-year-old? Well, I think I pointed that out because Jodie Benson was an adult playing the voice of a kid, and he was a kid playing the voice of an adult, and both of them ended up together. This is very sort of odd. Huzzah! So, next character is Ursula, and they got Pat Carroll to do it. And she's a famous TV film and stage actress. She was in a pup named Scooby-Doo and Goofy Movie and all kinds of other stuff. And uh, she is only in one of the episodes that we watched, but man, I love her voice. It's so great. Yeah. It's so great to hear her voice. And, and I will say, and character. I, I pointed this out because when uh, when Chris came over today to record, I was still watching the episodes because I didn't get a chance to watch them previously. And when we watched an episode that had Ursula in it, and when we as I was watching it, I noticed, and this is a weird thing for someone to notice, I think, at least it's a weird thing to admit you noticed, uh, they toned down her boobage. From the movie. In the movie, she's a By big... By a lot. Yeah. In the movie, she's a bigger gal, and she has bigger boobs. And they sort of slimmed her down and made her boobs smaller. Yeah. And they're... The, you know, in the movie, she has a very noticeable cleavage line, and they, they and move around with the water. And stuff. Yeah. And in, and in this, they absolutely... Made, they kidified her. You know what? They, it, it could have been like uh, Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball. The, yeah, the boob for, physics. Yeah. So it's like the <laughs> wow, movie wow, had the boob wow. physics, yeah. and then this one, uh, they didn't have the budget for the boob physics. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, but she's still the same uh she's still the same you know scene chewing uh overly emotive like great character in what very few scenes she had in the one episode that we watched but from what i read she's in other episodes yep samuel e wright as sebastian who uh, is also mufasa in the original broadway run of the lion king musical and kron in disney's dinosaur and he's got two tony nominations and he's been in a bunch of other stuff Flounder, I believe, was played by two separate people in this. Hmm. So, in the show, it was actually, season one, it was eating gross. Now, the original in the movie was somebody completely different. In the movie, it was Jason Marin. Mm-hmm. And Jason Marin did do voice acting for this show, but Eden Gross was the voice uh, in season one. And he did stuff on, like, Winnie the Pooh and... Um, Pound Puppies and Ren and Stimpy and all kinds of other stuff, but mostly a bunch of like smaller stuff. And uh, and then I think also there's one other person who uh, who had like a double had double characters voice and and the other character uh, to mention is Scuttle, who was Buddy Hackett in the initial movie. And in this, it's Maurice Lamarche doing his best to impersonate. And I personally. Personally, I thought he did a really good job in a way that if I didn't read that it was Maurice LaMarche, I wouldn't have known it was Maurice LaMarche. I would have known it was somebody different, but I wouldn't have necessarily recognized him until you pointed out the character that you pointed out. And I thought, man, I can't, I can't unhear that now. Yeah. I I thought he did a much better job until you ruined it for me. Yeah. I, I, I was, as I was listening to it and I'll say that I've, I've watched enough of, I've seen enough of Maurice LaMarche's uh, work to recognize his voice pretty much whenever I hear it. But the, the, the character he did of the character he did for Scuttle reminded me of Squit from uh, the Good Feathers sketch from Animaniacs. He really kind of sounds like that with, with maybe a little more of this, but it sounds like Squit to me. Humans? Ha! I'm almost human myself, except for my feathers and my beak and my wings and, and my scrawny legs and of course the fact that i can fly and then there's the hatching from the egg thing all right yeah now i can't unhear it yeah so um, the other character king main triton. character yeah king triton done original by kenneth mars too. 
And the last character is King Triton. And he, the last main character really is King Triton. And he's played by Kenneth Mars. Uh, and if, uh, if you hear his voice, you're, you're going to recognize him probably from We're Back, a dinosaur story. He was Professor Screw-Eye. Um, King Colbert from he was King Colbert in, in uh, I can't say, whenever I see Colbert, think I think Colbert. Colbert. King Colbert from Thumbelina. Uh, he was also Franz Liebkin in uh, The Producers, the original Producers. And he was Hund Wilhelm Friedrich Kump in Young Frankenstein. And if you ever watched I love that movie, yeah, if you ever watched uh, Malcolm in the Middle, he was Francis's recurring boss. So yeah, he was in a bunch of those episodes. I, I remember he that. was a big happy jolly looking man yeah in, in later hosen at least in malcolm in the middle so there are a bunch of characters here we're going to name and i'm going to blast through them because uh they weren't in any of the episodes that we watched but i feel like we got to name them because they're in some of the other episodes that we did not watch so mm-hmm. it's all of the sisters of ariel and there are six of them uh get it because of the seven seas yeah haha picking it up so there's atina voiced by kat susie who we've mentioned before aquata voiced by mona marshall aquata get it huh adrena voiced by katherine cavadini arista voiced by mary k bergman adela voiced by sherry lynn and alana voiced by kimmy robertson one thing one thing that i remember from and i don't know if we mentioned it when we were talking about the movie is that out of all Ariel's sisters, she's the only one whose name doesn't begin and end with an A. All the other ones do. She doesn't. Yeah, it starts with an A but ends with a different letter. Yeah, and all the all the sisters. She's names, the black sheep, Sean. Yeah, she's the Red Sea. Ooh. And you know well, what? You know one what? One of the other uh, sisters has red hair, though. You know what? Oh, that ruins it. But you know yeah. what? You know what? Uh, <laughs> Don't go there. Are you gonna go someplace weird? No, not weird. But do all you right. know? Do you know what? Uh, see. Uh, Ariel's mother represents no the Dead Sea. Oh, <laughs> dad jokes. Oh, yeah. Oh God. Oh, my wife would have loved that. <laughs> she loves the dad jokes. Now, so, the next character is Patty Edwards, who is Flotsam and Jetsam. Not in either of the episodes that we watch, but that those two characters are in this series, and it is Gozer from Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And she said other stuff like on Star Trek and Night Court stuff. Now, there are some original characters, and we got to mention them because these are voiced by sort of big people here, or they they had a sort of significant role. Yeah. And let's talk about the ones that we saw in the episodes that we watched. There's a character named Urchin who I remember from the show. They showed him like split second, one line very briefly in the episode that we watched. But he has a sort of overarching story. Yeah, he's he's done by Danny Crooksy. And he is, he's an orphaned, he's an orphaned uh, merman, merboy. I don't even know what the nomenclature is, but he's an orphaned merboy. Merman, dad. (laughs) I'm going to the mermen's room. <laughs> but he's a, he's an orphaned uh, merboy and Ariel's friend. Uh, he is adventurous and he's he's treated like a, a, like an unofficial adopted brother. He and was in uh, a different strokes by the way. Danny Crookso Crooksy? Yeah, uh, it's Cooksy. Cooksy? Yeah, he was in he was in different strokes and he was John Connor's friend Tim in Terminator and he's been in some other stuff. He was uh, Bobby Budnick in Salute Your Shorts. Oh yeah, he's got the he he had he had a band. Oh god, what was his band's name in like the in like the late eighties? Bad for good. Bad for good. Yeah, there was one that. CD called Refugee yeah. for Interscope Records in ninety two. If you go on YouTube, you can find a uh, you can find a music video for one of their songs. It's pretty good. I don't know. I wonder what happened to him. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, uh, we <laughs> anywho, his character is a, a character that sort of pines for Ariel uh, at some point. And <laughs> the, the original, uh, the original friend zone. Yes, yes. Because we all know who Ariel winds up with: the Chad. That's oh god. <laughs> Sean, Sean's diving into the the incel rabbit hole. Yeah. Oh god. So the the next character is not one seen in the episodes that we watched, but because. Uh, this is one of Eleanor's favorite TV series now. I've seen a lot more than the ones assigned. <laughs> and one of them is The Lobster Mobster, voiced by Joe Alasky. And he's this uh, American lobster, like, gangster character. He's sort of like an Al Capone. Yeah, yeah and, and jo- <laughs> Joel Alasky is a famous voice actor who 
alternated with Jeff Bergman and Greg Burson in voicing like Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and Porky Pig and all those characters. And he did uh, Tiny Toon Adventures and all kinds of other stuff. And he has a sidekick called he, The Shrimp. Yeah, he has a sidekick named The Shrimp who is uh, voiced by David Lander. Uh, and that episode is actually kind of funny to watch if, if you want to like take the time to watch it. But, um, I think he was in, was it second city or, Oh, um, SCTV. No, he was in Laverne and Shirley. What was I thinking of? Yeah. He's he was in Laverne and Shirley and, and he was in a bunch of other stuff. I think he's since passed away. Now the next character is so obviously voiced by Tim Curry, but that's just because Tim Curry is so obviously Tim Curry that you can't not hear Tim Curry. Now, when I so the character is Evil Manta, and Evil Manta is like a half man, half Manta who is this allegory for racism and prejudice. Yeah, he really is. That was, I mean, it was slightly ham fisted. Well, a it was little the bit early nineties. Yeah. So. so the the character in the episode that we watch, it's his debut episode where he gets released by Ariel and he proceeds to go about the town. And uh, get everyone to hate each other by saying like, he essentially says like, oh those those uh, those octopuses are so weird with their look eight at the legs. way they look. You are more physically you know superior to them. They are the the mongrel the fish. mongrel fish. <laughs> yeah. So he goes around and starts sowing seeds of discontent and and disharmony. Sowing his seed everywhere. He, yeah. Because apparently he has a son named Little Evil that yeah, Ariel so. befriends too. But here's the thing with it being voiced by Tim Curry. I realized that it was voiced by Tim Curry before I read the notes. But I have to say that this is probably one of the, and I, I said this when you came over, this was probably one to me, one of the least Tim Curry-y roles. Tim Curry's? Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that he's done. Because when you think of Tim Curry, you think of delivery like this. And, and, and it's just really bombastic and this and uh, Mr. You know, think of like like Frankenfurter, or think of really any other role that he's been in. He 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 delivers in that sort of bombastic theatrical way. Yeah, and well, in that's this, his background, anyways. Yeah, and but in this one, he just sort of speaks normally. Good afternoon. I'm new in this part of the ocean, and I couldn't help but notice that you have it. And you can hear it in his voice. Because his voice is so distinctive. Yeah, but, but he doesn't he doesn't Tim Curry it up. He just sort of talks. Like think about Hexus from uh from Ferngully and the way he's the way he delivers lines in Ferngully, and it's it's really just like dripping with emotion and, and whatever. And so he I mean the character the character is a fun design. Um it's ultimately destroyed by music. And this actually brings up the the point that you wanted to talk about in the episode with with Evil Manta. Uh, Ariel gets everyone to sing this song called Harmony or In Harmony. What makes someone special? I suppose it all depends. It's what's unique in each of us that we all share as friends. The difference is our differences may be small or great. Variety and spice to life, so we should celebrate in harmony. Harmony, you're you, I'm me. Together we can live in harmony. If there was only one note, how boring life would be. I'm glad there are so many notes in many different keys. <laughs> I hear each voice singing with a special quality. And when we sing together, we bring music to the sea. In harmony, harmony. You're you, I'm me. Together we can live in harmony. In harmony. I still remember all the words to that song. Yeah. That's a problem. I do too. And that's the thing is I don't remember seeing that episode, but I swear that the Disney channel at least would replay that song. Why do I remember the song to a 24 year old animated series episode that I saw one time? I think it's, 
I think it's because Disney would because re- Disney Channel would play. I think play, you're right. They would Disney play Channel like would one play, song from something. Yeah, they would have musical for interludes. the commercials. Yeah, because what commercial Disney Channel didn't originally have like a ton of commercials. They would just play stuff that was related to Disney because they didn't. I mean, it was a cable channel. Well, the whole idea was to indoctrinate you into the world of Disney. Yeah, right? so I, that was a popular one. Come by our shit. Buy our shit. Yeah. yeah. And it was essentially a song that, that Ariel used to get You're everyone you. to... I me. Together we can... <laughs> yeah. There's like yeah. A, there's a line that says like how... Like if, if all the colors were the same, how boring painting would be or something like that. I don't know. She gets... She sings a song and gets everyone else to sing along to counteract the evil mantas... Uh, discrimination ray that he used or it's it's just he goes and he talks to people it's it's a it's an interesting character and he comes back i think in a couple other episodes enough to uh enough to warrant this this crazy looking character and like you said he has a son that comes at some point too well and like he his whole thing is like he legitimately says that he wants he wants to spread prejudice he actually says that line yeah he says that he wants to spread prejudice and that he wants them to hate each other. And he hates unity and singing together. He he's defeated by music by the way. He he's defeated by their song. Yeah, and and by by a fish bamboo, bamboozling him. But it, it's a sort of silly episode. Yeah. But I mean, he's I love Tim Curry. Who doesn't love Tim Curry? I know. Oh uh, well, it's I, I feel sad cuz yeah. he's not doing the greatest. Although I hear he's sort of on a slow recovery. Yeah, he had a he had a stroke, didn't a he? A really bad one. Yeah. Like really bad. Yeah. The next character uh, is... we don't need to go through all of these. Yeah, though, let's talk but... about the next character that we saw in the show. Well, I'll just mention one that I saw, and it's Spot, who is a I kinda wish you had seen this episode because it's totally fodder for us to talk about, too. <laughs> it's the it's the opener episode that we mentioned in the beginning, and what happens is the humans are out whaling and they go to, to kill some whales. Yeah. And this, it's crazy did because they make, did they make like a, did they make like a, a belt out of them? Well, here's the thing that I don't understand did because ever... this is supposed to take place in, in the Atlantic. Yeah. Okay. It's supposed to take place in the Atlantic, but they're hunting orcas, which are in the Pacific. Uh, you know what? You're th- you've already thought more about it than the writers did. Okay, so whatever. <laughs> but this this harpoon goes into the water, and you see red color. So obviously, like they killed something. And this little baby a pink calf can. goes swimming down into the ocean, and goes down and sees Ariel, and then Ariel raises it like a pet. So all the other animals all talk. All of the sea creatures all talk, except for whales. But see, here's where I was thinking: is Triton implies. That in the movie that humans are these sort of like uh, savage sort of creatures. And maybe in this world, mammals are uh, the the sort of illegitimate species. Well, maybe. And so, so here, here's... And it's voiced by Frank Welker because it sort of sounds like a dog. It's odd because the whale goes down into the depths of the ocean and stays with Ariel. Never comes back up for, for like a year, supposedly, while it's growing. Into a full-grown whale. And never goes up to the surface for air. Never explain. Let's just explain it with Triton's magic. Fine. Uh, Triton's there, magic. We'll go with Triton's there's, magic. There's a... Uh, yeah. I, they actually mention... So, two things. They mention the whale, or, or Sebastian mentions the whale, the spot, at some point to someone. He, th- he says something to... I think it might have been Scuttle in the episode we watched, where he says, like, you think you're crazy... Uh, she tried to raise a whale as a pet or kill her whale as a pet. And he like mentions it. Uh, so Which is kind of cool because yeah. these are supposed to be one-off episodes yeah, but they allude to earlier things. Yeah, you don't usually get callbacks like that. And then the second thing, I think in that same episode, they're riding, yeah, it is that episode, they're riding humpback whales because the whales are migrating and they're just sort of relaxing. It's like a lazy Sunday for them and they're sitting on the, the whales and you hear the whales doing their normal like... And... They get distracted and go to go do something. And as they're leaving, uh, Flounder turns to the whale and is like, okay, spy, see you next year. And then the whale says something back to him. And he's like, oh, same to you. Like, have fun. So, like, they speak, but not like all the other fish speak, but at least Flounder. So I'm assuming the rest of the fish people can understand them. Maybe. But then also the sharks don't speak either. No. And the sharks. But then there's also a race of half shark, half people in this as well. And like they're they're like out to try and and take over everything. Yeah, there's they, that's in they, one of the episodes that we didn't watch, but that I watched because because you have a daughter because I have a kid. Yeah, they're called the Sharkanians, and they're ruled I by think, Emperor Sharga. I think I remember that. Yeah, I watched that episode too um, because I have a kid now. 
Yeah, so, it's so, just shit that happens. I actually, you know, I'll talk about that later. Uh, the next, the next character is, is the most Burger King fucking kids club character ever. But, but that was my reaction, and I laughed. This is so ridiculous. And then I read about the description. I was like, oh, I feel bad. I'm yeah, a bad person. Yeah. So the next character is Gabriella, who is a deaf mute uh, Latina, Latina mermaid. mermaid. Yeah, Ugh. and she, uh, she's in. She's in actually the highest rated episode that we watch. It's called when and you, it was a good episode. When you wish upon a starfish, and I have something to say about it too. About that episode. So in the episode, uh, everything is translated by Ollie, who's an Ollie the octopus, who is voiced by Whitby Hartford. By the way, Whitby Hartford is that snotty ass kid at the beginning of Jurassic Park in the Badlands that Doctor oh. Grant scares the shit out of with yeah. the raptor claw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Gabrielle is deaf mute Latina mermaid, and she she wants to sing. So she meets up with Ariel, who discovers from finding a like wind up ballerina that she wants to dance, and the two of them set off on a quest together to find the magic wishing starfish. Can I just point out? It's very weird in that episode that. Ariel finds this thing and she ends up back at these docks and this rando woman in a full ballet costume is doing point on the dock. Yeah. She, she, and yeah, your wife is a ballet dancer. My wife does a point. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it would be weird to go from your house out onto a wooden dock and doing that. Crickety. Yeah. Shitty ass wooden dock to do point. Like you need a good floors for that. Yeah. So the, the, they go off on this quest and, Turns out the magic starfish can't actually do any magic or he can't make wishes. <laughs> that I thought was actually kind of funny. Yeah. So it's this giant like Patrick Star looking starfish that has like a beard. It's and... voiced by Tony J. Yeah. Tony yeah. J actually does. Uh, I, I've, I heard him a couple other times. In, he did other other voices. Like yeah, additional voices. So they they find out that. A magical wishing starfish. Yeah. They find out that's probably one of his one of his uh, most treasured uh, credits. <laughs> yeah. Forget Frollo. He's magical wishing starfish. Yeah. Welcome, dreamers. I am the magical wishing starfish. You have braved many dangers to find me. Create, forget Frollo or Virgil from Mighty Max. I, yeah. <laughs> but oh, I love Virgil. Yeah. So they find out at the end. It's like a lesson thing. They find out because Ariel wants to dance and she wants to sing because she's a mute. And they find out that Ariel can dance with her hands and that Gabriella can sing with her hands and yada, yada, yada. Everyone learns a lesson. So you find out later, uh, if you do a little reading, that that character was actually based on a real person. And that's when it goes from being like, oh, this is really... She was a fan of the series and then died during the first season. She was... It's it was sort a, of sad. Yeah, it was a deaf girl that that a and that's deaf mute girl. And that's why they made the character Gabriella. That's why they made the character the way they made her. And so it's like because my my so this my is initial like, reaction was the same as yours. It was like, what the hell is this? Because nonsense? I built so I watched some of these episodes before I touched the notes, and I finished them after. So that particular episode, because uh, I watched them out of order, mm -hmm. that particular episode. I had already built these notes out when I watched it. So as I'm as I'm reading and typing it up, I was like, Gabriella, a deaf mute Latina mermaid who dreams of being able to sing, is like, <laughs> and then and then I was reading it. It was like translated by her octopus, Bleh. and it was like based on a real person. Oh, I'm a bad person. Yeah. I'm terrible. Well, now I think it's totally cool. I think that's really awesome. But yeah. my initial reaction was like. Like, okay, like, that's fine. It just seems like inclusionary it, it seemed, to be inclusionary. Yeah, it seemed, it seemed. Hand-fisted. Yeah. That's like, what it was. It was like. Just make him a regular character. Yeah. Not like a, not like a, hey, look, we put a brown person in. Like, no, just make him a regular character. And by the, by the end of the episode, Ariel has learned some like sign language because she, she learned, she has sign language. That's who, yeah. that's why she needs an interpreter to And talk I thought that was her. cool. And I liked Ollie and I liked that whole gimmick. But it just felt like shoehorned. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. The character was shoehorned. And I know it was done for a good reason. I just don't think it was yeah. done very well. Yeah. So I, I like the reason. I I don't have a problem with the character per se. I have a problem with the sort of shoehorned, ham-fisted way the character was done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if they had just made that a random character that was just in the several episodes as, like, a friend that she would run into, mm -hmm. that would have been better. But yeah. instead of, like, look what we did, now feel good about yourself, I thought that was sort of weird, personally. 
you know? Because, yeah. I, and I don't like when they do that. I think we talked about it with Ghostbusters, and we've talked about it with some other things. Uh, the animated Ghostbusters, when the, where they were like, look, we got a guy in a wheelchair. Yeah. And I was like... <laughs> Well, instead of making it like, hey, look, we got a guy in a wheelchair, just make him a guy in a wheelchair. Don't even talk about it. Don't, don't yeah, even, don't, don't be like, oh, see, we need to make him feel special. Cause it, no, just, that just, just makes, make him like. A, that just makes me ask so many more questions. Like, is there a community of deaf mermaids out there? Like, how did she learn sign language? Why did she learn sign language? How did the octopus learn sign language to interpret for her? Yeah. Like, so many questions. So many and, questions. And, like, to me, I don't know about, I don't know about you, but as, as, uh, <laughs> as, in the movie, as uh, hostile, I want to say, yeah, that's the right word. As hostile as Triton was to humans, I don't know. Some part of me just thinks that if there was some mermaid that was different from the rest, they'd be like, eliminate Destroy. her. Destroy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'd be like, line her up and I will zap her with my trident. With his, uh, with his, <laughs> I was going to say uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I will turn her into a human at the bottom of the sea. Let her drown. Yeah, I just, it just felt very like sort of shoehorn in. I don't know. Again, I don't have a problem with the character per se. I just have a problem with the way it was done. You yeah. know, the last, so, the last character worth mentioning is uh, Hans Christian Andersen. Who, and he's not in the episodes that we watch, but now I really want to go watch it because it's voiced by Mark Hamill. Yeah. And uh, if you and know, I love Mark Hamill. Yeah. So. If you don't know who Mark Hamill is, he is Luke Skywalker and a bunch of other stuff. He's uh, he, he's uh, been doing voice acting for the last also, 30 years. I think he's the Joker. Yeah. He's, he is the Joker. He's all other Jokers are are trash and they're pale. All derivative. They're, they are derivative. Uh, he's the Joker. He's Swamp Thing. He's the Trickster. He is... Who else does he play? Yeah, the Joker, obviously. He, to me, he's only the Joker and always the Joker. I mean, okay, fine. He's Luke Skywalker, but I don't care. He's the Joker. Yeah, there's... I think we mentioned this the last time we talked about uh, Mark Hamill. Is there's, a, there's a great... There's a great uh, Batman animation where uh, Mark Hamill as Mark Hamill is kidnapped by the Joker who's then also tried to be kidnapped by the trickster who uh, he tricks them into and is saved by Swamp Thing and it's saved also by Swamp voiced Thing. by yeah. Mark Hamill yeah, yeah it's all it's all voiced by him it's a, it's a great cartoon uh, episode so in this one it's the Hans Christian Andersen one it, the episode's Metal Fish if you want to go look it up and it's sort of interesting because he's uh, a fictionalized version of Hans Christian Andersen and who of course Came up with the Little Mermaid by actually meeting Ariel. In yes, this. yeah, this is sort of an interesting way to do it. There is another character who is Apollo, and it's voiced by Ron Perlman. Yeah, Ariel Flounder, I can't lie to you anymore. I'm not the hero everyone thinks I am. I didn't realize he was in this. I recognized the voice, but I couldn't place it. I had to look up the character. Yeah. So, and for me, I was like, oh, war. War never changes. So I knew it was. I knew it was Ron. Of Perlman. all the things that he's done, that's probably the one that that is the most cemented in. Yeah, that and Hellboy. War, War never changes. Yeah, I, I'll just always hear it. So Apollo is a sort of hero of Atlantica. Can I, and I just say I have a problem with them calling it Atlantica? Yeah, because it's Atlantis. Yeah, it is Atlantis. It's not Atlantica. I don't know. I don't, did they ever mention the name of the the kingdom in the Little Mermaid? I thought it was Atlantis. I th I thought it was too, but I can't remember if they ever actually said the name. Like I am King Triton of Atlantis or of Atlantica. I don't know. I mean, it's possible. Like we got it wrong all these years. I don't know. But hey, maybe they never said it and they just retconned it and said, okay, the kingdom is called yeah, Atlantic. I mean, maybe it's possible. But yeah, the, you said it and I, I never, I didn't tell you, but in this, I didn't tell you, but in this episode, I also called the, the plot twist almost immediately. It's it, the, the, the episode with Apollo is one that ha it, it, it's a trope. It's a, uh, the hero isn't actually a hero trope and you see it coming a mile away. Well, in the very, in the very beginning, I, they try to, like, make it not a thing. But the moment that they're like, oh, yeah, he was this great hero. And I was just like, the episode is called Hero, right? Heroes, yeah. Heroes. It's like, okay, the episode is called Heroes. And then all of a sudden he's explaining about how this guy is coming and it's a great hero, but they're not showing him. So I'm like, okay, either... He's, it's going to be one of the, it's going to be one of the two. Either he's not going to look like how you would imagine a hero to look. Yeah. 
or he's actually not a hero. Yeah. And it turns, which was the latter. Yeah. It turns out he wasn't a hero. So in the story, he like ambushes the octopod octopad people who are soldiers who are attacking and he destroys the, uh, the one who's using a trident that Ursula creates for them. And uh, he saves everybody. But in the actual story, he gets tangled up in seaweed because he's hiding. And then he falls and and breaks, just, it, breaks it. Yeah. But everyone thinks he did it on purpose. So he's seen as this great hero. And he ends up defeating this dragon. He, he overcomes his cowardice and he defeats this fucking dragon that's undersea. And it's not a sea dragon. You know, it's not a it's not a frilled sea dragon. It's a literal. And you pointed out looks like Maleficent. Uh, in dragon form, sea dragon. That's just a literal dragon under the water. Just, yeah, with the claws and the wings and everything. Yeah, and he he defeats it and tames it and actually goes off to, like, ride off into the sunset on the back of a fucking dragon. Yeah, and we do get a little uh, voice work by Clancy Brown that I mentioned earlier from, uh, he's Kurgan from Highlander, but I think everybody knows him from Mr. as Mr. Krabs, but, yeah. yeah, like, I heard it, I was like, that's him, I know his voice. That, that's that's Clancy Brown. And then it was gone. And it's, it's only like a couple of lines. Because yeah. at this time, this is like, I think before his uh, voice acting career had really exploded. Yeah, early 90s. Yeah, early 90s. So <laughs> there is a line I wanted to point out. Oh, yeah, yeah, There's yeah. a couple, actually. So in this one, there's this Viking that goes, he is truly a hero. What makes him so brave? Maybe it's the heroic music. What makes him so brave? Maybe it's that heroic music. Yeah, a complete fourth wall break because there is somewhat heroic music playing. You know, it's not it's like it's not like some epic kind music. of obvious, yeah. and it's funny that they do it. Yeah, it was it was out of the blue, and at least in any of the other episodes, I don't know if that happens in other episodes, but the the other episodes we watched, there wasn't a fourth wall break. It's a smart thing to do from the writer's perspective because it shows that they're not taking themselves too seriously. Yes. You know, there is a line though at the end and I pointed it out and you didn't notice it at all. (laughs) And then (laughs) these Vikings are the Mer Vikings are celebrating and singing a song uh, devoted to Apollo. And they sing this song and they have this line where they say that his might will make you swallow. All hail Apollo, defender of the sea. Hail Apollo, a fearless friend is he. His might will make you swallow, his foes will fall or flee. Hail Apollo, defender of the sea. <laughs> like the what? Why? What? And I can't not think about that. Gurgle, uh, gurgle, uh, Mr. Yeah. Murgle. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. That's that's weird to put in a... Well, we did have the, the controversy with the box art of the original Little Mermaid VHS. That, hey, you know, maybe maybe that's got something to do with it. Maybe you it does, know. maybe it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. But the uh, <laughs> ultimately, did you like re-watching this? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think we need to like go through all these one by one because we kind of talked about them as we went. I yeah. will just say that that the last ep- so we the four episodes that we watched today um now that we're sort of at the end here is wish upon a starfish it's the highest rated episode it's season two episode six and then we watched the evil manta season one episode nine and season three episode four which is heroes and uh, we watched season three episode one which is scuttle it's the lowest rated one at 6.4 and it's very obvious why that episode is it, yeah, ranked low. It, it relies heavily on slapstick. But bad slapstick. It was like, hey, look what we did in the movie. And it was successful. And we're going to copy and paste it in every episode. Yeah, and the, the episode serves as an as an origin story of Ariel's relationship with Scuttle, the seagull. Yeah. Who's and, a character I didn't like in the movie, and I don't like him here. Uh, you know what? I wanted to say something again about the about the Wish Upon a Starfish episode. That's the one with Gabriella. It's the highest rated it's one. It's the highest rated one by by one point. It's rated 8.4 on IMDb. I will say it's a good episode. I want to say... I don't think it's as good as one of the other ones that we watched, though. I don't think so either. And here's what I'm going to say about it. It wasn't a bad episode, but I don't think it was the best episode. Definitely not the best uh, best out of what we watched. Do you but feel I, like that the... I, and, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that people heard the story and rate it higher because 
of the story behind the episode of the the girl of who the girl, was the fan yeah, and died. Yeah, I think they rate it higher because they know that the episode is dedicated to the memory of this girl and they put her in as a character and this and that. And it's not which is all of that is really awesome. And yeah, I like that they did that. I like that there's a diverse character, but again, I still have a problem with it with it feeling like. They did it to make themselves feel good and not just to tell a good story. Yeah, and I don't think this I don't think that the story is all that great. Like it no. has a good it has a good message. I like the message. Yeah, it has a good message. It it has if it's a little ham fisted, yeah. sure, but but the overall actual story, I don't think this is the best episode of the series. It's definitely not the best episode of the ones we watched. What do you think was the best one of the ones we watched? Probably the Manta Ray one. Although I will say that the theme of the Manta being a sort of physical embodiment of spreading prejudice and hate is super hackneyed. Mm -hmm. Besides that, I felt like the story was cohesive. Yep. Like it was tight. The animation is done well. There's a scene where where Manta is hiding in this this sort of underground sort of cave prison thing. He, yeah, he's trapped in like explodes. a volcano. Yeah, the volcano explodes and that's animated really well. Yeah. And the song, this is the one with the super catchy song that you and I both remember the mm -hmm. shit out of. Uh, I felt like 100%, I agree. This is the strongest episode of the ones that we watched. And then I would actually say that Heroes is a better episode. Yeah, probably. I would say it's better than the top ranked one too. Yeah, and that's why I'm They're saying- They're all I, sort of close together, but- I think that this one is, art, uh, the that Wish Upon a Starfish is artificially inflated based on the story and the sentiment behind the episode rather than the actual episode yeah. itself. This is actually something that you and I have talked about just in general, like about life and whatever uh, before with people having an emotional- uh, sort of knee-jerk reaction to a something mm -hmm. and then making a decision based off that emotional reaction and not to the facts or the sort of... Uh, They're not being objective in their decision-making. Yeah, I think most people have a hard time with objective decision-making in general. Probably. I would say so, yeah. Because yeah. people are emotional creatures. We're not, we're not purely logical. I mean, shit, this is a nostalgia podcast. I mean, talk about, you know, playing on you know, feelings, but yeah. it, it, at least we try to pick it apart and, and try to be sort of objective about it. Even when we can't, we'll at least vocalize that we can't. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. So ultimately, did you like this show? I, I know Eleanor liked it. My kid really liked it. But, and I will say that I highly recommend this for anybody with kids that even remotely enjoy the little mermaid. If you are a fan of the little mermaid, I would say definitely watch us. This. this will be right up your alley. If you don't have more than a passing fancy uh, uh, in regards to The Little Mermaid, then uh, you could probably skip this. I think the show's good. It's a solid show, but I think, to be fair, it's it's more on the forgettable side than anything else. But I would say it's definitely better than average. Yeah. you know, Honestly, I would think, and I'd say the same thing, because I compared this to the Aladdin cartoon a lot. As I was watching it, as I was thinking about it and doing research. See, I, I like the Aladdin cartoon better when I was growing up but maybe it's because i was a boy and i self-identified with the aladdin character yeah and so maybe girls might better self-identify with this in a way that we don't yeah and, and the reason i compared it to it because the the two shows are very similar in that disney essentially got all the same cast save robin williams as the genie uh, i think it was dan castaneda uh yeah Castan I think so. castanaletta the voice yeah. of homer simpson yeah uh, got him to do the genie and everyone else was the same same characters uh, throughout the thing right so there's something to be said about a cartoon that can that's based off of a movie that can pull the same actors and and continue that story because there's nothing more jarring as a fan of something where you see a movie of something animated an animated movie and then it turns into a cartoon series and the characters or even have all a sequel. Yeah, or, and the characters have all changed. Exactly, a sequel. They can't get the same people to come back for a sequel that were in the original one. And Disney, at least, did a pretty good job of retaining all the people who were in the first one to come back and do the second well, one. Well, to be fair, Disney is sort of notorious for the way that they sign their contracts, too. Yeah. So they sort of force you into signing up for whatever, whether <laughs> you want to or not. You're playing Ariel in perpetuity... Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we talked about that with Little Mermaid because of what they did to Snow White. Remember? Yeah, she I mean, wasn't she wasn't able to. Yeah, she wasn't able to do anything else for the rest of her career. I mean, she didn't really have a career because she was just Snow White's voice in yeah. Disney Black. I think Balder. she died in poverty too. I think she? so. Yeah, but but overall, I think the show is it's pretty good. 
I would solid. Yeah, it's it's a solid show that that I think has merit to watch. I mean, here's what I like. Here's what I like about about uh, a show. If you're gonna do a show based on a movie. You need to do a couple things. You need to keep the same tone as the show. You can't, you can't diverge drastically and have like the show is about the show is about a, a mermaid, but then the I mean the movie's about a mermaid, but the show is about like war Aliens or something. Or it's yeah. like it's like about war. It changes the tone of the show. Like you can't do that. You have to have the same tone as the movie. And I think this show does that pretty well. It keeps the same tone. And the, the second thing it, I think it really needs to do is it needs to add to the mythos of the show because you have a you have a a much broader product in scope yeah. to add characters to add mythology to add uh, stories to 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 do I would those say things. There's one last thing that they would need, and that is that the animation also has to at least be passable. Yeah, you're not gonna have you're not gonna have studio quality animation, but you're gonna have you should have decent animation, halfway yeah. decent animation. Yeah. Because that's a, I mean, just like in a podcast, if you have really bad sound quality, it's going to turn people off. If you're a, if you're an animated show and you have that's really, why we say listen to our later episodes. Yeah. If you <laughs> if you're an animated show and you have really bad animation, unless the really bad animation is a gimmick of your show, a la South Park, the early episodes of South Park, where it was it was sort of a gimmick. Yeah. And it just became a, a just look. Be, yeah. It just became a look for the show. Yeah. You know, it, but you had nothing to compare it to. South Park has only gotten better over the years in terms of animation. In this, you have an, uh, an expertly, amazingly animated movie. Yeah. And you can't. Top of its craft. Yeah. Arguably. You, you yeah. can't. I mean, the movies at a 10, I wouldn't think you could go below like a six and still keep the same. Yeah, I would say the animation. This is solid. I would yeah, say it's it like a good seven and a half to an eight. Yeah, and for the, a kids animated show. Uh, yeah, the the songs of of the songs that we listen to, some of them are a little annoying. I would yeah, say they yeah. were they were just. But it's original music. Yeah, it is original music, and, and that's something that he said. So I I would recommend it just because of just because of what it represents. It re- it represents doing everything right when you're making a cartoon series based on a movie, and there's been plenty of those done. Like I said, there's yeah. Aladdin. There's been uh, there's been other. I think Maybe was... this is good recommendation for people who are in the industry and thinking, hey, you know, we've got this product. Let's make a cartoon show out of it. How about this? Go watch Aladdin or The Little Mermaid mm-hmm. and see what Disney did and see that they were able to retain most of the staff, a fairly high quality, keep the story cohesive with the film. Yep. Right. Uh, you know, a good example of that is uh, Trolls. So the Trolls movie that came out, Justin Timberlake, yep. uh, right? Anna Kendrick, Anna Kendrick, yeah, your celebrity crush. Yeah. <laughs> uh, My wife hates that. Uh, whatever. <laughs> so uh, the movie that they did, there's an animated series on Netflix, and it does a great job of holding to the tone and the feel. Uh, it's it's done differently because it's not CG; it's mm-hmm. animated. But they get a lot of the same cast, and they do a really good job. And the characters that they don't. They do a good job at filling them in. It's important to keep that feel. That's what it is. It's about the feel. Mm-hmm. It has to have a similar feel. Yeah. And, and this, this does a good job. Yeah. It. it absolutely kept the feel from the movie. And that's what I think a lot of people liked about the movie. Uh, it it yeah. was. I feel like this is probably underrepresented though. Oh yeah. This show. I, I don't think most people know that this existed. Probably It not. had a short run. It didn't get a whole lot of promotion. There weren't a lot of toys. Right, there were no sequels to The Little Mermaid made until way, way, way after. Yeah, because so, like again, this movie came out. This movie came out eighty nine. Four, four years. The movie came out in eighty nine. The show came out in ninety two. So that was only three years. Right. It's it's it, it had enough of a break, but for I feel like maybe it was a little bit too long because maybe. because it's not like it was internet age where people kids could keep go back, going back and rewatching and they weren't monetizing with the toys like they do now. Yeah, but who knows the they were, so. who knows how long it took them to produce this show. I mean, it could have yeah. taken them a year and a half to produce the show if not maybe. longer. Yeah. So they might have started right after the success of Little Mermaid and yeah. then they did all that Possible. And, and you know, it took them 2 or 3 years to produce this cartoon. Yeah, I I think I think at the end of it, it's just one of those things that not a lot of people know about. And for that reason alone, I would say that if you enjoy animation and you like animated stuff, if you like definitely Disney, go back and you like Disney, go back and absolutely rewatch this. If you're not that interested in the little mermaid, this will sort of feel like blah to you. Yeah. Go but watch if, Aladdin instead. Yeah. But if you do have kids, they will definitely like this a lot. My yeah. kid actually had to be coaxed into it. She didn't want to watch it because 
you know, little kids don't want to watch new things. They want to watch the same thing over and over. I made her watch it once, and then she's like, Dad, can we watch one more? It's like, yeah, I think so. It's like, oh, what if we watch a third one? I was like, yeah, we've had enough TV now. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, Definitely would recommend. Yeah, same. So that'll probably do it for this episode. Uh, If you want to talk about uh, this episode or just talk to us in general, you can always check out our website, childhoodremastered.com. It's got a link to all of our social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And we have have an email address you can email us on. We have a contact page on there that you can send us a message. We've gotten a bunch of messages from uh, from some of you listeners out there with requests and just saying hello and other shows yeah, and people who want to do wanting to do collabs and yeah and if you have another show that you do and you you're interested in and maybe us teaming up or doing something you know we've done a few of those now we've tag done a team. couple of them yeah. right so you know definitely contact us we'll we'll reach out if if you if you're doing a show that sounds similar to something that we're doing we might have fun working together then. Drop us a line. We're part of a podcast network called ACPN. Uh, you can check them out on acpnet.net. Uh, there's a bunch of cool shows on there. Uh, similar content. It's uh, nostalgia shows. There's entertainment related. In- Put it that way. Entertainment related is a good is a good way to uh, entertainment retro. There's some inter- uh, there's a stuff. there's an interview show. There is a uh, there is a radio drama show. There's like a weekly entertainment show. Where they review TV shows. Yeah. Uh, there's ones where they uh, do retro related movies and, and TV shows. Yeah. So, too, so so check check them out. Again, it's ACPN. It's acpnet.net. You can find them online. There's also a link to them in the episode description. And our music. And our music. We want to thank John Howarth for the use of our music. The song is called Nascent. You can find a link to his SoundCloud on the music section of our website, childhoodremastered.com. And uh, yeah, that'll probably do it for this episode. Um, It was good to go back to this part of our world. Oh God, dad jokes. Dad <laughs> jokes everywhere. Dad jokes everywhere. Yeah. It was fun. So if you were the one who requested this, again, thank you and let us know. Absolutely. And until next time, this is Sean. And Chris. And this has been your Childhood Remastered. We will see you next time. <laughs>